Welcome to a very special episode of Radical Audacity. You will probably want a box of tissues next to you for this episode. Just want to let you know we are talking about a sensitive subject. I want you to imagine that you are a mother sending your six-year-old off to first grade. It's December, pretty close to Christmas time, and you are hugging your little one goodbye and sending them off to school. And then the next time you see your first grader, it is in a body bag. This is exactly what happened to Scarlett Lewis and her little six-year-old son, Jesse Lewis. Jesse was murdered in the Sandy Hook shooting of December 2012. This story is particularly heart-wrenching to me and have a special connection to this story because my own child was in first grade that year. He was six years old in 2012. And both Jesse and my son are would have been the same age now. I was a teacher at the time. And to me, school was a sacred space, a safe space. As teachers, we do everything in our power to keep children safe. And of course, as a mother, you do everything in your power to keep your child safe. So when the Sandy Hook shooting happened, it is one of those moments that I will never, ever forget. I had my six-year-old and I had a brand new baby and my emotions were high. As I'm sure many of you were, unfortunately, since that Sandy Hook shooting, we have had countless number of other school shootings, mass shootings at churches, parades, places of worship, grocery stores. And the world can feel a little bit unsafe for many of us right now. Scarlett Lewis is on a mission to bring love, compassion, courage, and forgiveness into the world. She gathered herself together in the midst of her grief to start a foundation called Choose Love, which brings in social emotional learning education into schools to help children learn how to have the skills they need to fill themselves more with love and less with anger and to feel more connected in a world where we often feel disconnected. I think you are going to love this interview so much. It's really going to resonate both with her story of her mother's love, with her grief, and with the power of her resilience as a mother to create something positive out of an unthinkable tragedy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Radical Audacity Podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host. On this podcast, you are going to meet people that walk their own path, live life on their own terms, let go of other people's rules and expectations and the shoulds in life, and instead live life in their own truth, integrity, and authenticity. This podcast will give you the inspiration you need to live your own radically audacious life. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. I am so thrilled to be here today with Scarlett Lewis. As I told you in the introduction, Scarlett is really, really special, and we're going to dive right into her story. She's the mother of Jesse Lewis, who was killed in the Sandy Hook shooting way back in December of 2012. And since then, you have made such a huge difference in the world and just really brought so much love 
and compassion and caring into the world with all of the work that you do with you're so prolific with your books and your foundation. So I'm I'm really thrilled to be talking to you today, Scarlett. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tiffany. It's an honor to be here. So let's let's dive right in. I think what I would really like to dive into is a little bit about Jesse. He just would have had his 16th birthday. Jesse and my son, Evan, are about the same age. Um, they were in first grade at the same time. And Jesse's story really touched my heart. And your story really touched my heart because I remember that Sandy Hook shooting um, like it was yesterday, um, crying, sobbing, going to the school to pick up my son because it was just all so scary. You know, same age. I'm also a teacher. Just everything about it touched my heart. You have a beautiful memory of something Jesse left you that morning that is an eternal gift. I'd love to hear a little bit more about Jesse and about that gift that he left you. Well, he left me so many gifts and continues to, by the way. Um, But Jesse was kind of larger than life. He was so confident and loud and sure of himself. He he would walk up to a group of adults and introduce himself. And uh, he we called him the protector of the family because he would take a walking <sighs> stick and he would wear camo and he would walk the parameter of our <laughs> property. And he was just a, he was an outdoor kind of guy. He was always outside. We have a little farm and always getting dirt under his fingernails, which to me is uh, synonymous with having a lot of fun. And uh, really, that's how he lived his life. And uh, he packed a lot into his short six years, I will say that. Um, the the gift, one, one of the major gifts that he gave, not only me, but the world, was a message that he left on our kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died. Three words, nurturing, healing, love. Of course, when he, when he wrote them, they were phonetically spelled. Those are pretty big words for a first grader. Uh, <laughs> he phonetically spelled them because he was just learning to write. But for me, they were, as you said, an incredible gift of comfort and uh, and and also though inspiration because I knew that if the shooter had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, that the tragedy. Mm-hmm never have happened. It was just so simple, but simple isn't always easy. And so that is what Mm -hmm. prompted me to quit my job and then dedicate the rest of my life to spreading this message. The other gift was literally that morning when I walked him out to, uh, to meet his dad at the end of the driveway. His dad was taking him to school, and I turned around to give him a hug, and he had written in the frost on my car, remember, this is Connecticut and December. It was cold. I love you. And he'd drawn hearts in all of my windows. Oh. It was, you know, just oh. as a mom— Knowing that that was one of those special moments in life, I told, I said mm-hmm. to him, don't go anywhere. I ran inside. I got my phone, came back out, positioned him by that message, took a few pictures, oh. his final pictures, the last pictures ever taken of him, gave him a big hug, sent him on his way. And, uh, and really that was my goodbye message. And I know that now, and I'm so grateful that I was present to be able to to understand that, to realize that, to, to get that picture. Okay. So I'm in tears <laughs> and I'm pretty sure anybody listening is probably in tears right now. I'm like bright red and puffy eyes right now. Um, that's so beautiful. That is, there's so many beautiful things about that story. For one, you have a child who is so generous with his love and letting you know, which says a lot about your parenting. Just so beautiful. But also, you were in the moment. Yeah, I was. I was in the moment. And that's how I tried to parent, uh, being present with my kids, um, realizing that, you know, thank goodness it was before the time when we carried our screens in our pockets. But I knew that I didn't want to compete with a TV. I probably couldn't, <laughs> which is the truth. Yeah. So I 
I donated it. I gave it away. We did not have screens. We played board games. We sat around the table and talked. We enjoyed each other. We went on adventures. We were outside on the farm playing with animals, getting dirt under our fingernails. I mean, we were really living. I feel like when you're on a screen, you're living someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I'm just feeling this to my core. <laughs> One of the challenges with podcasting is you can't have those, let's sit with this in silence. <laughs> but I really, um, there's so much about what you said that I I, I want to, to sit with. I do think that, you know, I'm a mother of a 16-year-old and an 11-year-old, and I do know there is a lot of noise, digital noise, that we as parents compete with, and that's it's hard. I think one of the things that is so beautiful about your story is your connection to Jesse and that being present in the moment. The um, There's a video you have where you, you took a tour gave everybody a tour of your home and the big chalkboard in your kitchen and with his writing on it. And it was just, to me, it was one of the most beautiful videos because it looked like a home well lived in and well loved with lots of love in it, just messages and pictures and, and things of that sort. So it was very obvious to me that Jesse felt very loved and that you felt very loved. And it seems fitting that this becomes your message after. It is fitting. And 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 that is also, by the way, the way to live your life with the fewest regrets is being present with the ones mm-hmm. that you love. And that does not include sitting in the same room on screens, eating, watching TV, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't. It means... It means looking at each other in the eyes. It means actively communicating. It means being present with one another um, in the same space and and really resonating with one another. That is so important, and we need to bring our focus back to that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. You, I would imagine the days after were, well, unimaginable. I I can't imagine them. Let's just say that. At what point did you say, I need, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to create a foundation. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to create a movement. What got you there? I think a lot of people are very interested in how do you move through such intense grief? and then create something with so much love after. What was that process for you? I remember initially there was a shock, uh, just pure shock. You, You know that that type of thing happens to other people, but it can never happen to you. And, and the fact that uh, you you send your child to school with a book bag and they come home in a body bag, that's just, it's just mm. it just doesn't seem in the realm of possibility. And so there was this, Mm -hmm. this overwhelming shock. Uh, This, this, my brain had to catch up with reality and it took a few days for it to do that. And then I had this really interesting interaction with another woman who had lost her son to violence. And she had come by. And at this point, I'm kind of thinking like, I have no idea how to navigate this. I've never met anybody else who's lost their child to violence. I don't even know how to survive. You're in survival mode. <laughs> and uh, and what, is that even, what does survival look like? How do you even do that? And that's where I was. That's where she found me. And she starts kind of going through her story. And she's telling me basically what I have to look forward to. And... It was not good. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was bleak and it was, it was gray and it was depressing. And I knew immediately, just something in my body came up and my hand came up like that. 
And I said, stop right there. Thank you for sharing your story. And that might be your story, but that is not going to be my story. And I think in the moment I realized I'm going to have to figure out for myself, there is no roadmap that I want to follow that I know about. I'm going to create my own. And it was really in that moment. And then in the ensuing days that I realized I have an older son. I have my family that's surrounding me. I I have a world of love that's being poured on me. And I want to live in joy. I don't want to live in despair. And it's a choice that I made. I wanted to role model for my older son what that looked like. How else would he know? And so I made a choice. And then every day I took, te- I took s- deliberate steps in that direction and still do, by the way. I think that is the key, right? Is making those deliberate steps, even if they're tiny, even if it's a tiptoe, it's, it's saying that this is the direction I want to move in. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going to move in that direction. Just even if it's the smallest, the smallest thing. Is that what you did? Just even? There was a lot of pressure after the tragedy to be angry and Mm -hmm. lame and finger point and join other movements that were focusing on the problem. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live my life that way. I didn't want to be angry. Bottom line, I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want to be another victim of Adam Lanza, the shooter. This young man who was a victim himself, really, Mm -hmm. of his circumstances. If you you really look at his history, I didn't want to be a victim of a victim. And so I chose to be responsible for my thoughtful response um, and responsible for what went on that day, for what happened in my community. Um, And I think that's a really scary concept for a lot of people. And I got a lot of resistance from that. Like, you're not responsible. Why would you even say that? You've never even met the guy. You're, you know, you, you, you have a loss, but having, the courage. And by the way, I credit my boys, my sons with having that courage. Jesse for standing up to the shooter that came into his first grade classroom and whose brave actions saved nine of his classmates' lives. Mm-hmm. And his older brother, who has also been advocating for school safety. So it does take courage to take responsibility for what goes on in your life, good and bad, and then use it to help other people. And, and the, the alternative is to victimize yourself, continue to be angry, and blame other people for what happened or other things. And I did not want to live my life that way. I wanted to be uh, in control, basically. And of mm-hmm. of my actions and of my thoughts and of my feelings i wanted to be i wanted to find joy and uh and it's not that the road has been easy for the last 10 years it absolutely hasn't you shared some tears earlier i cry every day but i also feel joy every day multiple times a day micro moments of joy and that's what life is all about I love spending this time with you, Scarlett. I feel like every time you talk, I have 15 other questions I want to ask you. Um, I'd love to dive into this idea of responsibility. When you say you took responsibility for that day, taking responsibility for Adam, taking responsibility for yourself, what exactly do you mean by that? 
I, I mean that I take responsibility for my thoughtful response and mm-hmm. I take responsibility for what happens in my community. I'm not a victim mm-hmm. of what happens in my community. I'm part of the community. So when <sighs> you take responsibility, it means that you're responsible to be part of a solution. Mm-hmm. And it seems maybe harder to take that forward moving step than it is to just be angry and blame. But once you do it, it's so empowering and it feels so good and it provides such immediate relief that it gives you the motivation to take that next step in that direction and in the direction of healing and hope. So I think this is really important right now. We're in a really raw place as a nation. Mm-hmm. We are, I read a statistic, I think it was over 22,000 deaths from gun violence this year alone, mm-hmm. getting close to 23. Um, we are seeing mass shooting after mass shooting in schools and at parades and grocery stores. There was one right down the street from where my son was working at a church, literally a block away from, from his his job. Um, and we're seeing it over and over. And we're seeing that perhaps the laws of the land are not making us feel safer. And we're frustrated by that. How do we take responsibility in a time like this that will help us to feel that sense of control, some joy, um, some connection and some responsibility for the community that we are living in in this country that we have been a part of creating how it is right now. Absolutely. How do we Absolutely. take responsibility for that? I mean, a big giant question. Can you solve all our problems in the next 10 minutes? <laughs> is that all we have? <laughs> Can I have an hour? <laughs> no, no, but you know. <laughs> oh, an hour, sure. <laughs> You know, what are our choices? Our choices are to be angry, be victimized, feel anxious, wait for someone else to fix it for us. And I think maybe, you know, it's almost been 10 years since the Sandy Hook tragedy. And then we had Uvalde, which was almost Mm -hmm. a carbon copy of Sandy Hook. And I think we learned a lot from the Uvalde, Texas shooting. I think we learned that there really is no plan from the top. I was hearing the same things 10 years ago. Um, Police response is fallible. Police are human beings. They're doing the best they can with the skills and tools they have, but it's fallible. So what are our choices? Our, Our choices are to continue to wait, continue to wait for someone to fix it for the next shooting, or to take positive action today ourselves. My mom is handing me a note. Right. Okay. (laughs) She's listening. I will, I will definitely share that. Um, but it is, it's why I created the choose love movement to give everyone, first of all, a soft place to land because we're not political. We're all about love and love is what connects us all as human beings, love and hurt and pain. We are all going to be hurt. We're all going to feel pain. And we have to learn skills and tools to be able to cope with that pain, social, emotional competence so that we can make responsible decisions, show up in relationships in a good way, positive way, be connected. (laughs) Uh, All of this addresses the root cause, by the way, of school shootings, of mental illness, of substance abuse. Um, And so this is what I chose to do, to focus on this positive step, addressing the root cause of all of the issues that we're experiencing now that are just escalating. I mean, clearly what we're doing isn't working. So why would we do the same thing over and over and expect a different result? What I have been advocating for for almost 10 years now is a focus on the root cause 
of the majority of the suffering that we're seeing that continues to get worse in our society. And let me tell you something. When you take a positive step by introducing something like this to your school, I mean, it's a huge part of school safety, by the way. You know, we we focus on, on hardening our schools, but in reality, the more important focus should be on the culture of the school because schools with a connected, loving, compassionate culture can reduce and prevent the grievance that starts, that actually stair steps up to an attack. You can reduce and prevent it, or if one happens, you can give the skills and tools to educators and students that can manage that grievance before it escalates. I mean, this is a concept that isn't talked about a lot. Uh, It doesn't cost any money. At least the Choose Love movement is no cost because I realized this is the way to keep kids safe. And every child deserves this. By the way, you're an educator. Every educator deserves this. Um, your job, educators' jobs have changed so much, and you all are basically the modern-day superheroes. And so, you know, everything that we do is no cost because this needs to be everywhere, everywhere. Human beings deserve to have the skills and tools we know are needed to flourish. And by the way, we're not born with them. We have to learn them. And I, I learned this by focusing on a different approach. When you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at change. I decided to look at this in a different way because the way that we were looking at it wasn't working. And so addressing the root cause, by the way, I realized very quickly, I didn't have these skills and tools. I was 44 years old when my son was murdered. I am a college graduate not that that matters, but you know, I've done different kinds of jobs as a single mom trying to earn a living for my kids, but I was not socially and emotionally competent. And you can learn these skills and tools at any age, and they can so benefit your life in every aspect. It's mind-boggling. And it's 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 easy. It's not difficult. It takes work though. It takes work and it takes practice. And, you know, a a lot of parents say, well, you know, that's not the school's responsibility. That's the parent's responsibility. And actually, it is. I completely agree. But what if you're a parent like me that didn't have these skills and tools? You can't give what you don't have. So what we know now is that it's it's imperative, yeah, that you teach them at home. That's best case scenario. And even in best case scenario, it's important to reinforce and practice the skills and tools at school. And for some of the kids, it'll be the only time that they have access to these. These are skills and tools that help us cope with the difficulty that we're going to face in life. These are the skills and tools that help us connect with other human beings so that we can feel cared about, feel worthy, get help. (laughs) We're all here because somebody loved and cared for us, let's face it. And so we need to help facilitate that. And the 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 shooters that are out there are not feeling loved and cared for. They would much rather be connected, productive members of society. They don't know how. And so we can teach them. You know, this good guy, bad guy scenario that we have, like, like I'm a good guy. Well, that's about, once you identify a bad guy, well, that's a relief because then you're the good guy. And then you get a nice hit of dopamine in your brain and it feels good. And you think, what's for dinner? <laughs> I've solved that mm-hmm. issue. Well, it becomes a little more complicated when you realize that shooters aren't born school shooters, mass shooters. They're born human beings, just like you and I. They've just had different experiences and they lack the skills and tools to use those challenges in their lives, maybe even threats to benefit themselves and learn from them and grow through them and be strengthened by them. We can teach people how to do that. And we have to start young. And we can. I 
I agree with you 100%. Uh, there is so much research about the power of social emotional learning. My last few years as an educator, I actually was a teaching coach and a professional development expert. And I created trainings and courses for teachers to, to help them, you know, continuing education for teachers. And my one of my specialty areas was social emotional learning. I was specifically on a team for social emotional learning. So I got to get a lot of extra training. I actually brought your program into my department and said, we need to look at this program. This is great. Thank you. So I'm very familiar with your Choose Love program. I think it is so powerful and so good. And I agree with you 100%. Social emotional learning is so important. So social emotional learning for listeners um, has some definitions that might sound familiar. There is a focus on self, self-awareness, um, responsibility, taking responsibility. There's a focus on others of social awareness and um, being able to get along with others and realizing your role and things and your impact you have on people. And so f- those are such important skills. And they also dovetail so nicely with the executive functioning skills that we know young brains often don't develop until young adulthood. Um, and so being able to help children develop these executive functioning skills and these social emotional skills is absolutely vital. And you are also 100% correct teachers need this and parents need this. Like we are very much in a world, especially after the pandemic where everybody's pretty raw and these coping skills and self-love skills and self-awareness skills and social awareness skills are so absolutely vital. I'd love to dig a little bit more into how you got the curriculum for your program, you you um, collaborated with some pretty fantastic people. Will you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I I feel like I know that Jesse helps from beyond. Uh, he knows his mom mm. needs a lot of help, so he brings everybody that I need to me. So all I have to do is say yes. But it, it's it's been an incredible journey, and a lot of people resonate with. Jesse's message of nurturing, healing, mm-hmm. love, and we're attracted by it. And, you know, in the beginning, it was all volunteer and uh, just a, a group of people that agreed. Um, I have tremendous friends from high school who are incredible connectors and connected me to different people in different ways. I was connected to Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, mm. Dr. Chris Cook, um, Lots of lots of really, really interesting, knowledgeable people. And uh, we just brainstormed and and thought, you know, understood and and surveyed what was out there, where the gaps were. And initially, this is why I created the programming because I saw there were a lot of gaps that needed to be filled. And I created this for the most vulnerable. My son, as well as Adam Lanza, was priced out of the market for receiving Mm -hmm. this type of learning. And I thought this would have saved my son's life. Every child deserves to have this. It can reduce and prevent so much suffering. So I created this program to fill in the gaps, but then came to find out that it wasn't really gaps. It was over 90% of schools Mm -hmm. that did not have this type of programming. And so um, we fortified the programming after that because we realized this is not a gap filler. This is something that we need to get out there that can reduce and prevent so much of the suffering that we're seeing. And so um, our team just grew and grew. We've done a few iterations of the programming during COVID. We updated everything that we had. Um, Our world's different now. So programming has to represent that. It has to be represented in the programming. So we included a lot of uh, you know, we just continuously update it so that it can be the best that it can be for our kids, our educators, our parents, everybody who uh, wants to choose love as a thoughtful response. Mm, I love that. I love that. Now you have a saying, uh, you have a formula, basically, 
which I think this is, I'd love to dig into this for me a little bit. Um, courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion in action. Those four things are so powerful. Will you break down each of those for us and tell us why do you think that is the formula for making such a huge difference in such a scary world? Absolutely. Well, because we all know, all your listeners know how much courage it takes every single day to get up, Mm -hmm. to put your best foot forward, and to live a fulfilled and present and joyful life despite everything that's going on, to be your best self, to role model what we call choosing love looks like in your life for your kids. They're learning from everything that you do so important that you model for them. Uh, it's it, it takes courage to to be present during conflict. It takes courage to do the right thing, to tell the truth, to face your fear instead of resist and avoid it, or maybe even numb yourself. So courage is the first character value because it is the most important character value. And of course, I can't even mention courage without talking about Jesse's courage, who stood up to the shooter at six years old as he came into Mm -hmm. his first grade classroom after having murdered his principal and uh, school counselor right outside the door and saved nine of his classmates' lives. You know, I thought once I, I found that out very early on and I thought, wow, if Jesse could have done that. If my young son could have done that, and of course, no no first grader should ever have to be in that situation, yeah. but he was, and he he did the right thing. And if he could do that in that situation, I certainly can rise to this occasion and, and help be part of the solution. So that's the courage. And then it leads us into gratitude. And we've all heard about gratitude. Um, we all probably try to practice gratitude, but we really don't have an understanding of how vitally important it is, how we're wired as human beings to focus on the negative. I mean, ever wonder why the majority of news that you read is negative? Uh, It's not just because, you know, there's a lot of that going on in the world. It's because that's what you are designed to focus on. It's our negative bias. The majority of our thoughts every day are negative and repetitive. I mean, it's not just you, listener. It is actually how we're designed. It's our brain's attempt at trying to keep us safe. It's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing, but we have to be aware of it to be able to use it to our benefit. And gratitude can help us do that because we can really only focus on one thought at a time. We can only focus on a an anxious, uh, lower energy, fearful, frustrated, um, angry thought or a grateful thought. And so gratitude can help us shift the focus of our lens and a gratitude practice. Of course, there's so much science behind everything that I'm saying as well as neuroscience Yes. And a- yes. actually practicing gratitude helps strengthen us to for- to to consider forgiveness. And forgiveness was such mm-hmm. a huge part of my journey. And the interesting thing is, um, it was really kind of one of the things that I was insisting on being included in the program. And so many people, the vast majority of them, said that forgiveness was too lofty a topic for our kids and that they wouldn't understand it. But the amazing thing is, Tiffany, that that it is the kid's favorite character value because, uh, let's see, some of the things that they've said are, it feels so good to let it go, and it's like a superpower, forgiveness. Um, it's just so important. Uh, it is yeah. a superpower. It is a superpower. I love and you know if you if you look at my situation i understood that unless i forgave the shooter who was by the way this tortured tormented bullied pain-filled person uh in fact if you if you read about his life it doesn't surprise you. It disappoints you, of course, but it doesn't really surprise you that he ended up where he was. And by the way, it could have been stopped at any time. But um, but you 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 know, I w- I wasn't going to allow that person to have control over my thoughts, 
to create negative thoughts that make me feel bad that was then going to to influence how I show up for my remaining son and in my relationships? Absolutely not. The only way that I could take my personal power back was through choosing to forgive. So I chose to forgive. And and it is a choice. And and so it cuts the cord that attaches you to pain. Doesn't mean that you're not going to fall back into anger. It means that you, you practice forgiveness and and you come back to it until you literally feel it you feel the anger and the pain receding and it does and so it's so important it's so important for connection in fact it's the number one way to have healthy relationships and Harvard University has said that healthy relationships are the number one way to be happy i mean all of this works together and these are um, from the research that my team did, the most important aspects. And then, of course, there's a lot of learning that goes in layers underneath these. But but everyone that's listening today is going to get this very, very powerful tool that they can use in their tool belt of life to choose love in any situation, circumstance, or interaction going forward. And then after forgiveness is compassion in action. And compassion in action is, uh, you know, compassion has two components, really focusing on the action component. Compassion is identifying the need, a need in yourself or someone else, and then actively doing something to help ease that need. It could be self-compassion, because we've heard a lot about that in, you know, for, for different, for educators and for mental health workers, but it can also be compassion for another. Here's the key. Here's the key that no one talks about and we're not taught, but is the truth. And I am ready for this. <laughs> and science backs me up with decades of research. And this is what I've learned from my own personal experience. And I've watched my son actually live out. And that is when we have the courage to step outside of our own busyness and distraction, even our own pain and suffering to help someone else, that helps and heals ourself. Yes, and I mean, yes, I think about, I think, I think, you know, losing Jesse was certainly the most painful tragedy that I've been through in my life. But I have also been through a lot of other traumas. And, you know, I, I always thought that I had to focus on myself to heal. I have to go inward and, you know, it was always like, I'm in this and nobody else feels my pain like I do. And, and, uh, and, you know, there was a lot of feeling of isolation mm-hmm. and in reality, it's connection that heals. Yes. You have to have the courage and it does take courage to step outside of that, to help others, to help and heal yourself. And that's kind of the thing that we haven't quite gotten around to in our society. Because when we start putting the focus outward on others and helping to heal others' pain, that's when we're going to help and heal our own. And that's when we're going to find that we're in a safe and secure society. Mm, That's so beautiful. I was taking notes furiously while you were talking. I... There, there were two of two things you said that just—they're so beautiful. They really created this aha moment in my head. Forgiveness cuts the cord to pain. I just thought, wow, that is a gorgeous image to be able to say. You know, pain does bind us and it's, it's almost like a a poisonous vine around you, right? Like it's, there's, there's so much pain going inside when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're hurt. And if you can forgive and cut that vine away from you, cut that poison away, that pain, I don't, your grieving will never go away. You will always miss your person you lost or that thing you lost or whatever it is that you're grieving. There's so many different things we can grieve, 
but the pain, that poisonous pain, you can cut the cord to that. I just, that visualization is so beautiful. Yeah. You know, that that comes from a lesson that we teach and we literally have a piece of twine and we put it around ourselves and then we put it around the proverbial thing or person that hurt us. And, and when you don't forgive, you literally are attached to them and you mm. are still allowing whatever they did decades ago. I don't know. Maybe they aren't with us anymore. Maybe they don't know. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. They're still controlling the thoughts yes. that impact how we feel, that then impact our behavior. And so forgiveness in this lesson is like a set of scissors. It's a choice. You take those scissors and you cut that cord that attaches you to what hurt you. And you take your personal power back. Doesn't mean that you don't have to practice it. Mm. But, you know, and I was actually, uh, I was actually having this conversation with my mom the other day who was working on forgiveness. And she was like, well, I make the choice, but I don't feel it yet. And then she said, you know what? When I start to think about it, it's like a bee. I loved this metaphor, a bee that I'm holding in my hand really tightly and it's stinging me. And the choice Mm -hmm. to forgive, you open your hand a little bit and you get immediate relief. And then you can go all the way and just let the bee fly away and you're not getting stung anymore. I love that. That's really true. And by the way, the science um, also follows that in that you have 70% on average less pain and anger. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to live your life? We have one yep. life to live. How do you want to live it? Try to figure that out right now. Do you want to live it uh, in pain because someone at some point hurt you a long time ago or even yesterday? You want to give them power over you or do you want to take your personal power back? Do you want to forgive and be able to move forward? And mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. It's such That's an important beautiful. lesson. It really is. That is so beautiful. I feel like we could do a whole podcast episode on just that. Mm-hmm. I think people would just love to dig into that. Uh, before we move in, I have a, a second part of the the interview where we kind of go into some fun topics and get to know you. Um, but before we do that, do you have a favorite memory, non-shooting day related of Jesse that you you just makes you smile? makes your heart sing that you would be willing well, I, to share with us? Absolutely. I'll share a couple of things. First of all, I wanted to share the note that my mom passed me. Oh, yes. Anybody, share it. Share anybody it. out there is like, uh, what did that note say? Um, it says literally Jesse's message to his older brother. And and he left oh. a message for his older brother too. And it said, have a lot of fun. And I mm. think that we have to remember to do that because when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're living in times like we are now, that's the first thing that goes out the window. And that's actually the most important thing to keep that channel to joy open. And we need to make sure that we make time for it. And it is a priority. It is absolutely a priority. It's pretty interesting that Um, when researchers go in and compare social biologies of mass murderers, one of the things that rises to the top is lack of unstructured play in childhood. And when I say it's really important, I mean, you mean it's it important. is really, it's really important to prioritize play. And I don't know about you, but I want to have a lot of fun in my life. And that was one of the decisions that I made that that um, that the tragedy was not going to keep me from doing that. And of course. My younger son was 12 years old. He had a whole life to live, and I want him to live it in joy. I have so many, so many wonderful memories of Jesse. And uh, one of my favorites is, uh, you know, I was a single mom and I worked full time. So I would get up really early to make coffee. So I would have coffee while the two boys were getting ready in the morning. But uh, the second person to get up would be Jesse. And so I'd just sit down with my coffee and he would pad in with his blankie and just kind of hair ruffled up and he'd walk in, not eyes not really open yet and crawl into my lap, straddle me forward. And we would just sit there like this just for like four or five mm. minutes, just completely enjoying one another and, uh, you know, he, he would go, he would go from that, just this little cuddle bug, um, 
to uh, to just you know riding riding his big brother's horse and taking riding lessons and riding ATVs and uh, he was just really active all the time, mm-hmm. always on the go. So those moments, those cuddle moments, are so very special. Oh my gosh, those cuddle moments were what I thought about right after the shooting. I thought, wow, huh? How do you live without that? That's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, mama. <laughs> I'm giving you a big hug right now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So we're going to take a switch after this big, big cuddle hug to you. I ask the same three questions of every one of my guests, and it's a way for us to get to learn more about you and get to know more about you. And you're a big book person. You've written three books. You've been involved in several books. Lady Gaga, you were involved in one of her books. Um, So, and I'm a big book nerd. So my question that I love to ask of every guest is, Mm -hmm. what's a book you're reading right now? You share it with us and tell us about it. Oh my gosh. Only because I have stacks of books all over and I started so many and my perfect day would just be to be in Maine on a lake just with one book that I really want to read and read the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and it's a whole different, you know, they're, they run the gamut. Um, a book that I just finished, which I thought was really interesting was assassination generation (laughs) by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Yeah. They're all, they're, they're all, uh, nonfiction. Let's put it that way. Um, and they're all based on, you know, learning about how we can create the world that we want to live in and and what is going on in the different aspects of it. Um, that's a fascinating book about the deleterious effects that are scientifically proven and have been for decades of violent video games and violence in our movies and media. Um, it's, it's there. Um, there's yes. not a lot of focus we are at we're desensitizing mm-hmm. our kids the same way we mm-hmm. do our soldiers so we have to take responsibility for that we're allowing that to happen every day all day long um mm-hmm. the other one of my favorite books of all time is man's search for meaning by victor frankel just mm-hmm. a fascinating account of what victor frankel learned in his years of imprisonment in nazi german concentration camps and uh, one of the things that he learned um, is one of our major foundations of the Choose Love movement, which is we can't always choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we thoughtfully respond. And he found that the um, the uh, Jews that had been imprisoned in camps uh, and others um, you know, they'd had everything taken from them, their families, uh, all of their material possessions. They were beaten and tortured. They were starved. They were stripped of their clothing and dignity. But even in that horrible situation, they had one freedom left, and that was the freedom to choose how they responded. And Victor saw those that chose love not only survived better, but they survived longer. Um, mm. And so that research went into his book, Man's Search for Meaning, um, I'm reading all of Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's books right now because I finished um, On Killing, which is his other book. And uh, yeah, so trying to really look at every aspect, even even the difficult stuff, um, we, we need to really um, remove the uh, blinders that we have. We need to really start getting curious about why we are in the position that we're in, right? The the truth of the matter is we're not victims. We are responsible for the world that we live in. And we have to start really getting curious, like, why is this happening? Asking this question, not being given, uh, you know, given a, a line or what to be mad at or what to focus our attention on, choose ourselves, figure it out yourself. Um, and then 
take the direction that your heart leads you in. And, uh, and there's just so much, so many great books that you can learn from every day. I think as human beings, that's why we're here on earth is to learn and grow every single day. And I love doing that. I, I literally learn something every day that I can incorporate into my messaging and, and what I can offer to my audiences and and anyone else that will listen. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like in a sense that we are kindred spirits because I think my perfect day is also sitting and reading all day long. <laughs> It'd be my perfect day. It hasn't happened in a long time, but man, Ooh, yes. give yeah. me <laughs> give me my my wish of a perfect day, probably sitting on a beach reading or something like that, but man. But I I love that you are so curious about why this is happening and so willing to take a big picture look because we are in a world where it's very myopic, it's very political, it is it's your fault. You did this, you created this because of your politics and your policies when it's really like when we look into it, it's so intertwined and it we just need to come together. So, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. Next question. Hardest question mm-hmm. of the day. <laughs> they're writing, they're making the movie of your life, and you get to pick three songs for the soundtrack. Oh my God, I love this question. What would your three songs be? Um, uh, we're going real I know, you told deep. me I could go deep, real deep. I could ask hard right. questions. So here they are. Uh, gosh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, Rocky's theme song. Ah, yes, love it. Okay. It would start and end with that, by the way. Okay. I'll add Jesse's favorite song, which is Payphone. By Justin Bieber. Um is that Payphone, Justin Bieber? Payphone no. is uh not Justin Bieber. Um oh my god, I know I know exactly oh, I got it wrong. <laughs> my mom's saying black eyed peas. No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know Hold on. This is ridiculous. Call me on my pay. Oh, no, I'm saying cell phone. I can't <laughs> even. Maroon 5. Okay. I knew that it's, too. See? Maroon 5. I oh mean, my God. I love Maroon 5. Right. Okay. Uh, I even reached out to them. I just wanted them to know that that was Jesse's favorite song. Um, so, oh, did they get back to you at all? No, but they will. Ah, oh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. We're putting uh, it out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those two and... Um, Gosh, uh, oh, such! I love music. I absolutely love mm-hmm. music, and That's I why listen this is to the hardest question all the time. And I love music from all across different eras. Um, maybe, uh, and t- this is just coming to my mind, but uh, "Stand" by Rascal Flatts. Huh. Oh, I love Rascal Flatts. Okay, love it. Just because I know just this is I just played it yesterday and it's it's right there in the forefront of my it's in your mind. Yeah, of my mind. I love those songs. I love those songs. I know this is the hardest question. If anybody asked me, I'd be like devastated. I only have to choose three. This is right. terrible. Give me 20 and I can rattle them off like that. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. Last question. This podcast is all about radical audacity and saying heck yes to the hard things, right? To yeah. to being that audacious person. So what's an act of radical audacity you've done lately that you're really glad you said heck yes to? Uh, gosh, I feel like I do that every day, which is why I'm hesitating um, in, in small, smaller ways. Um, but uh, gosh, um, I think it's those small ways that can often be so important. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a big, a big thing that um, I've been planning uh, in my mind for 10 years, actually, and I haven't done yet, but it would be radical and I'm going to do it is taking a bus and wrapping it with the choose love message. I've done that. I've taken an RV and wrapped it with the message and I've 
done a statewide tour in New Hampshire, just taking the message out to people. We did this during COVID, bringing love, hope, and healing everywhere that we went. But I really want to do it on a nationwide basis. I just want to go and do it do it to get attention for the message of nurturing, healing, love. Mm -hmm. Remind people that we are in this together and that it is going to be us that pulls us out of this. No one else is going to come in and fix this for us. It's us. It's us. I don't know if that, like, when does that ever happen? When do people come in and fix your problems for you? Wouldn't that be nice? Right. It doesn't happen individually, by the way, <laughs> it people. Happen. And it doesn't happen as a nation. I mean, there are people to help and it helps when you have connections, but really it takes everybody working together. And so just a little reminder of that. And um, bringing love, hope, and healing across the country. And so that is my radical, audacious goal that uh, you will see me do in the in the near future. Yes. All right. When you are on that tour, I'm going to bring my remote podcasting gear out to your truck and we are going to do another interview awesome. about your tour because cool. I think this is a very exciting goal and I, I know it'll happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. As we wrap up, how can people find you? What's the best way for them to find you? Please visit our website, chooselovemovement.org, and check it out. We have no-cost programming for schools, homes, and communities. In fact, it is lifespan. We start prenatal. We have infant-toddler. If you're a mom out there and you drop your babies or kids off at daycare, make sure that they have this because it has a lot of brain development stuff in it. Then pre-K through 12th grade, we've got programming for homes and communities. So please check it out. Please help us spread the message. The most amazing thing I think about the Choose Love movement is that we have spread the message by word of mouth and mm. referral. So we are in over 10,000 schools in every state. Oh my God. Goodness, garlic. And over 120 <gasps> countries, but this is by word of mouth. Wow. We've literally never done outreach. <laughs> we haven't we haven't been able That's to because because the response has been so huge. So so literally please help us. That's we just want to make sure that everybody has access to these skills and tools that they know about it and that they have the choice to be able to choose love in the face of fear mm. or anxiety or difficulty, um, that they can determine what is a challenge, what is a threat, and that they literally can grow through the difficulty that we know everyone's facing, has faced, will face in life. That's how we're designed as human beings, that, that those difficult times are there for a reason and they help us grow. And Choose Love gives us a formula to be able to do that. And just a little recap of the formula, because we went through it. Um, there's a lot more than this that's taught within the formula, but just to walk away with something as a skill and tool in your belt that you can use right away, courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion in action equals being mm. able to thoughtfully respond in any situation, circumstance, or interaction by choosing love. When you choose love, you're strong. And so we want to create a, a, a bunch of strong kids that are able to choose love. Can you imagine a world in which people chose love as thoughtful responses? That's the world that I want to live in. It'd be so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for spending the time with us to with us today for being so open and beautiful and sharing your memories with Jesse and your journey to choose love. And thank you for really dedicating your life to making such a difference in the world. Um, mother to mother, educator to educator. Um, this is what you're doing is so very important. And I am thrilled for my listeners to be able to hear your story and continue that word of mouth of um, getting your choose love out there. Thank you. We need it so much right now. We need it so much. Thank you so much for being here today. Did you have as many moments of tears as I had in this episode? There was a point where <laughs> I literally needed tissues. I have some very 
very special takeaways from this episode. First of all, the resilience and the love and the forgiveness that Scarlett Lewis shares is incredible. She completely embodies the ability to feel grief while also spreading love. And I just thought that was such a powerful message that she shared with us today. Her idea of forgiveness cuts the cord to pain. Oh my goodness, that visualization she used of tying a string around that pain and tying a string around yourself and how you are forever connected to whatever that thing was, that grief, that thing that is causing anger, unless you can forgive and cut that cord. It takes so much courage to do that. She kept using the word courage, and I fully agree with that. Another thing that really stood out to me is that she said, this anger is not my story. I will not be another victim of the shooter. I will not be his victim. I am going to choose joy every single day and make small steps in the direction of the joy. And I am going to choose to be responsible. I'm going to choose to see myself as a part of the society that allowed Adam, the shooter, to feel so disconnected and so hurt that this is what he thought he needed to do, go in and shoot children in a school. She said she would keep the channel to joy open. And it is that connection to others and the joy that builds the resilience and helps us to keep going. I hope you are choosing joy. Choosing joy is not a form of, oh, just be happy. It is not a false happiness. It is understanding and acknowledging that there is pain and sadness and grief, but that that is not going to be what defines our life. Just thought this was so powerful. I would love to hear what you guys are thinking of this episode. I'd love to hear back from you. Also, please make sure you check out Scarlett's website, her Choose Love. She I will link the episode, the website in the show notes. She also has written several books. One of them is a memoir, Nurturing Healing Love, A Mother's Journey of Hope and Forgiveness. Nurturing Healing Love is what her son, Jesse, wrote on the chalkboard that morning before he left for school. Please... Remember in these scary, trying times that it is our connection, it is our love, it is our courage that is going to bring us together and help us to solve these big, big problems that are out there right now and that we absolutely are an important part of the solution. Please be sure to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram. You can DM me at Tiffany Kane. Also, share this episode with somebody that you know will find comfort and solace in the words that Scarlett shared with us today, in the story that she shared with us. And remember to hit subscribe so that you are notified every time a new podcast episode is released on the Radical Audacity podcast. Thank you so much for being here today with us as we raise our voices, and live a more radically audacious life. I hope you go out there and raise your voice. <laughs>